good. Very good. Good morning. Mess with Josh. What does this button do? Is this how you get the Christmas song going, Josh? <laughs> or how do I erase the U2 track? That's what I want to know. You're a mean one. We'll get a Christmas song in today if it kills me. It's good to see everybody. My name is Ryan and I'm new here in all the sense of the word, all the sense of the word. Uh, hey, let me ask you this question. Have you voted for this song? Uh, I, it, would just, it would just mean so much to get one, Christmas music. I love it right here. We have a stadium sign. It's the best. <laughs> Go to that Facebook, Crossroads Facebook. Where are we? Where are we on the... I think we were a little... I had to Tebow it, see if we can make it happen. Didn't he play here? Didn't Tim Tebow play for the Denver Broncos for like a season? I don't know why you're clapping. I don't know. Did they they do well? Did they... Got you to the playoffs. Yeah, better than this year, huh? Yeah. Let's not talk about that. So... It's great to see everybody. I just, you know, as we jump in, I want to just say thank you so very much for welcoming us, for our family. It is good to be here. And by here, I don't just mean here in this building. I mean, it's good to be here and to be a part of this community, uh, to just start to get to experience all of what it means to live in Northern Colorado. I'm so bummed when Wendy and I found out about Pozole night, uh, we were super excited we were going to go, but we had made plans to do this other Northern Colorado like tradition thing with some people. And so we're bummed, we're, but we're gonna be there next year. And uh, I am gonna hopefully work up on my Spanish alphabet and uh, numbers so that I can, I wanna play bingo in Spanish. Every, we all have dreams, so <laughs> we all have dreams. But if you can make it out, it's gonna be a fun night. But it's great to be here. And I wanna say thank you to those of you that put like gift cards in that big box for us, for all the places around town. We have been exploring and as crazy it has been to kind of adjust and rip two teenagers out of their lives and take and just sell, we sold everything. We, we bought stuff on Facebook. I might, I might be sitting on your couch right now. I, it's, I was, the other day I was sitting in our basement, which is not a basement like what we're used to. It's actually like the first floor, but it's a ranch. Y'all have ranch style houses here. We just have colonials. That's what we would have. And, uh, and I'm sitting there on this couch that we bought from somebody on Facebook that was delivered in a truck that had like four other Facebook couches in it. And uh, I'm watching a television I bought on Facebook on like some TV stand I bought on Facebook. And I thought to myself, what is in that? Like, I don't even know what's in, like, the cabinet in that. And I was, what is in that? And then there's, like, a closet. I was like, what's in that closet there? I was like, is this my house? Like, it's very strange. So thank you very much for your patience and tolerance with us as we adjust in. It is really good to be here. So we got that poll question going on. Uh, I, I Just for a few minutes, I want to share as fast as I can. And there's some talk notes on the table. It's team talk notes this morning, all right? So you got big sheets that are 11 by 17. So you got to grab a partner. There's not enough for everybody to have one. This is community day here, right? And so you got to grab a partner. I'll leave it up to the two of you uh, to figure out who's the smartest. Um, I will say this though, if one of your partners is colorblind, which I have family members that are, it's fine. The colors are yellow and bold up here. So if you want to cheat, just make sure whoever is filling the talk notes is not colorblind and then you'll you'll be able to cheat. Um, I don't know what you'd be cheating at because there's no prize for the talk notes. 
just the connect card. So make sure you fill that out. So we're going to get to those fill-ins in a little bit. I'll, I'll warn you, it'll be in a while. But we got that poll going on. I wonder if, if we were to make a new poll, though. And, and all of you that have Facebook, and especially those of you that have voted for the Christmas song, they're good people, generous people, loving people, good-spirited people, right? If you were to put on your Facebook uh, a different poll question, and, and just to see if your network, what they would say, what if the poll question said, are Christians loving, welcoming people? What percentage would say yes? What percentage would say no, do you think? Now, don't, don't, I don't mean this as like a, a judgment of you. You know, you might consider yourself a Christian, uh, a church person, a Jesus follower, whatever it might be. You might not. I don't make assumptions about anybody in the room. So this isn't about what they would think of you, but just in general, what does our, our general world, our community think of when they think of the word Christian? Do they think that that means that they are loving, welcoming people? My, my guess would say, if we were on a good day, you might get 50-50. Uh, if you were on a normal day, it'd probably be just tilted towards the no, given what's going on in our world and in our culture around this word Christian. Or how about this? Are churches a safe place for all people to find hope, wholeness, and healing? What do you think would be the poll? I mean, what are people's experiences encounter with these things we call churches, these weird buildings that sit in uh, communities, some that have been there for a very long time, some are new. Like, what would they say? What do you think? Or how about this one? This is a fan favorite. Uh, are Christians playing a significant role in the healing of our divided nation? I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Our nation's a little divided right now. <laughs> Same response in the first service. People were like, he better not talk about politics. <laughs> so you mentioned anything that smells of politics in today's day and age, I may as well take, you know, say, hey, we're going to receive four offerings today. You all rather us do that. You'd rather give four times than have a conversation about American politics, right? Which is a symptom of the fracturing of our world. It's a symptom that we can't have a civil discourse about something we disagree with or, or disagree on. Why? Because we lack wholeness. Right? We live in a fractured world. Our, our, even our hearts are fractured, right? I mean, we live in our spaces, our homes, right? We desperately want this thing called peace. We definitely want you know, all people to flourish. Human flourishing is at its best. But we live in this fractured world. And it's a world that's missing what in the Judeo-Christian tradition would call shalom. How many of you have heard this word shalom before? You've seen Fiddler on the Roof. It's, it's a fan favorite. Unless you're a student in high school, you're like, what is he talking about? Let's go back to the youth center. This is awful. <laughs> that section back there, that's what they're thinking. <laughs> when are we gonna play the game with the whipped cream? That's they're hoping for. <laughs> right, but we lack shalom, right? This, from, a, from a Jewish, Judeo-Christian standpoint, this word often gets translated when you see it in, in scripture as peace, right? But it really means much more than that. It's this big concept of harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, right? Welfare, tranquility, right? These are the things that we crave in our hearts and in our lives. And they're the things that are lacking most in our world. They're lacking, not just on this global scale, but they're lacking in our homes, right? We think of peace and oftentimes it's just like, I just want peace and quiet. And so we equate peace with quiet. <laughs> Any parents in the room? <laughs> yeah. Teachers, how many teachers? You're like about two o'clock in the afternoon, like I need peace. Get on that yellow thing and go back to your makers. You know, <laughs> let them deal with you. <laughs> I'm a contract, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? 
our world is like filled with noise, but there's something deeper, right? There's a fracturing. It's not just noise. And so we can have quiet, but still be fractured, right? We can have this sense of, well, not war, but is there really flourishing taking place? And sometimes this lack of shalom means that we push into the corners of society where the pain is. And unfortunately, I wish I could say that Christianity, this this movement that kind of became known uh, from this person, Jesus, I wish I could say that Christianity was better. But it seems to me in my lifetime, there's been a fracturing of it as well. And that we aren't these shalom producing groups any longer. But actually, when people hear the word Christian, they think of church, they think of closed-minded, they think judgmental, homophobic, greedy. This is the reality. And so for me, I'm in this pressing place as I live in this world of faith communities and I've grown up, I'm a churchman, so to speak. My whole life has been about church. I'm a second generation church leader. And I've seen that there's just this lack of trust. There's lack of engagement within like these congregations. And what's fascinating is the shalom breakers of this world are actually equally present within the gathered, organized church religion known as Christianity, just as much as they are outside. So the great shalom breakers, the things that disturb peace, that break away and and, and fracture the idea that, that there should be wholeness for all people. Right? That, that humans should flourish, that humans have inherent dignity and value. And we should see that. We call that the image of God in theological terms. But these massive shalom breakers like greed and arrogance and selfishness, pride, fear, that fracture our world, they fractured the, this like, group of people that are supposed to be considered Jesus people. I often joke around and I'll say things but it, like this, and I really do mean it. Like, like Jesus, this guy who came to shut down religion, ended up having a bunch of people create the largest religion in the world. The irony of that is mind-blowing. That Jesus came to say religion in the sense that here's, here's all the rules that you follow so that you can be in touch with your creator and you gotta make sure that you go through the right and proper channels. This, this Jesus shows up and he's like, ah, time out, wrong. He seeks to end it all. And then what do we promptly do? We promptly reorganize, set up new rules new definitions, new systems, new structures that then make it difficult. And it's you know, taken about 2,000 years for that nonsense to finally catch up to us. And so we end up living in this world, both of faith communities and the broader world, where these shalom breakers exist. And here's the fallout. The fallout of it is we have these, what, what many have called global giants. The global giants are things that affect billions of people all around the planet. They affect people in our own backyard. This isn't reserved for some country in the developing world. There are people in our own communities that we pass by, that we see, that are affected and live under the tyranny of these giants. Self-serving leadership, poverty, hopelessness. And by hopelessness, I mean spiritual hopelessness. Is there a purpose to my life? Is there a God? And if there is a God, is this God good? Does this God care about me? Is this God even present in the world in the midst of my suffering? Billions of people are affected by this. And it is even within the church. I don't know about you, self-serving leadership. It's just the danger and darkness of any leadership. We all have it. We all deal with it. And so what are we to do in this world? In a world that's broken and fractured, do we just kind of kind of curl into our turtle shells? Do we come into our safe spaces that we call churches? And do we gather people who believe in certain things and say, this is a safe place and we can help one another flourish? What are we supposed to do? Well, it's interesting, Jesus actually addressed this. 
one of Jesus's, and probably not just one of, but I'm guessing, again, a lot of things we say about Jesus are our best guesses, right? I mean, I wasn't around when Jesus was here, right? I trust the passage of information that's been given to us through eyewitnesses, but Jesus had this message, this sermon that he would go around and teach, and he probably gave this sermon over and over and over again. I mean, over, like you all would be writing on your connect card, could we please have a different sermon, Ryan? I'm gonna go to another church if you say that one more time. Like Jesus probably gave this sermon a thousand times. He gave it personally. He gave it on mountains. It's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. We have it in a couple of the gospels, but one version we have it in is the gospel of Matthew. If you knew a Bible study, the word gospel means good news. It's the story of Jesus. We have four of these writings that we call gospels. Uh, They're just these ancient writings that were written by people or written from the tradition of people who were followers of Jesus. And so in, this, in Matthew chapter five, we have the Sermon on the Mount and in it, Jesus makes this incredible statement. He says, God blesses the peacemakers for they will be called, what does it say? Children, Children of God. Those of you that said that out loud, you had whipped cream in your coffee. You gotta get here. Like, I gotta talk. I gotta talk. <laughs> they will be called children. And now here's what's amazing about this statement. And if we, and we don't have a lot of time to jump into all this, but here's the thing. This statement is so fascinating because you were considered a child of God if you were a child of Abraham if you were part of the chosen people and Jesus comes and says, guess what? Your blood, your heritage, your lineage has nothing to do with being a child of God. Children of God are those that engage in the work of God, this shalom making, this wholeness building, this this image of God recognition for all of humanity and even all of creation that we're called to bring wholeness and completeness to. And so now I wanna jump into your talk notes. Some of you have been like having the shakes because there's no talk note filling, right? So here it comes. You thought it was the sugar. You're just like, where's my talk note? Did I miss one? You got a talk note twitch going on, right? So here's the first question. Could I be a peacemaker? I want you to ask yourself that question. Could I be a peacemaker? Now, a lot of you may say, well, no, absolutely not. I can't be a peacemaker. That you gotta have a nonprofit for that. <laughs> You gotta have a degree for that. Well, here's, let me define peacemaker for you very quickly. First fill in, ordinary people. Ordinary people. (laughs) O-R-D-I. Here's, that's the problem with talk notes. Nobody listens to you while they're filling it in, you know. Ordinary people. How many of you raise your hand up nice and high? You'd say, I'm fairly ordinary. Fairly, now stop looking at your neighbor. Like, what are you raising your hand for? Put your hand down or anything but that, right? Just ordinary old people. We're ordinary people following in the footsteps of Jesus, right? So I'm defining peacemaker from the standpoint of the person who said peacemakers will be called children of God. seems like a good place to start, right? So it's peacemakers. We walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Jesus's most common invitation was to follow him, follow him. So we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, which means a commitment to some ancient things, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. So we're ordinary people living ordinary lives saying we're gonna follow in the footsteps of Jesus because we understand and we have certain beliefs. And in following the footsteps of Jesus, there's this demand that I do justice, love mercy and walk humbly. It's kind of a a tangible way to say this is what it means to love your neighbor, which Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. They're the same command And it's the greatest thing. It's interesting, Jesus didn't say the greatest commandment is to understand the unity of God, which was by far in a way the most 
repeated thing in the Jewish tradition. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. They would say it every day. That's not what Jesus said. No, understanding isn't the key. Loving your neighbor. It's the only way. Love God, love your the same thing. And that's how we live this out. And then here's the key though, right? The key to peacemaking is that we, we are ordinary people committed to these things with God everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Not just when we go to church, not just when we go to project one, not just when we meet here, but everywhere we go, every place your foot steps, this call to have eyes to see where is justice being denied? Where is mercy desperately needed? How do I humble myself and participate in what God is doing? Not have to lead, not have to have all the answers. And so the question is, could I be a peacemaker? This brings us to the second question. What would it look like to be a gathering, what we would call a church, which is a problematic word, but we'll just go with it. What would it look like to be a community, a gathering of peacemakers? A space where we gathered and invited others to become people who brought about wholeness in this world, in their everyday lives, where we equipped one another and we listened to one another. And our goal for coming together was not to make sure that we all believed the same thing, that we all gave the same amount, that we all participated, that we all volunteered, but that we were all committed in our everyday, normal lives, bringing wholeness to every human being around us as they come into our path, looking for those opportunities. And I think that would be the most amazing reality. And it's probably something that's desperately needed to have a community of faith that says, you know what? That word Christian has come to mean something so far from Jesus in so many people's hearts and minds. Maybe it's time we abandon it. Maybe if somebody wants to call me that, that's fine. But maybe there's so much bad out there, misassociation with the idea of what it means to Christian to actually follow Jesus, that it's time as a community that we change the narrative and say, we are peacemakers following in the footsteps of Jesus. We do that individually, we do this as a community. And as a community, we maintain our commitments that have been a part of this space since it was founded, that it's a community of people who are diverse, diverse, which means we welcome Everyone, all people, unapologetically. And I'd like to say right now, thank you to those of you in the room who are not white. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I wanna recognize the courage it takes for you to walk into a space and to look around and recognize there are not a lot of people that look like me here. Most of us in dominant culture, we never have that experience. And I wanna say thank you because we need to learn. Our dominant culture experience needs to learn and understand cultures that are coming together. We need to be shaped and challenged to recognize that my upbringing is not the upbringing, that my experience is not the experience. And I wanna recognize the amount of courage it takes that I never have to have. I never have to have that courage to walk into that space, especially in Northern Colorado but you all are here and you are a gift from God. And we wanna lean into that and we wanna learn and we want to worship together and we wanna be peacemakers together. For those of you that are part of the sexual minority in the LGBTQ plus community, thank you for being here. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for having courage. Thank you for moving past some of the horrible, nasty, angry rhetoric that came out of confusion that comes out of fear. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being Jesus to me. 
and showing me what it means to look and follow and be like Jesus. And I know that that can be tricky and challenging when we start dealing and talking about these things that we've put on the category of issues, but they're not issues, you all are people. And we welcome you and we learn from you. And it's not just this token space, it's a space that says, come and be a co-creator of a whole world and and a better community together. So we're diverse, we're vibrant, energetic, fun. I, I can't do anything that's not fun. I just can't do it, I'm sorry. I can't, I just can't do it. I, 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 if I feel like everybody's bored, then I'm gonna start dancing or something, right? Like we're, enter, we're, we're vibrant. Most of you are friendly. Some of you, it's an aspirational goal and we're with you. We love, we welcome everybody, right? So we're, we're diverse and vibrant and we're also creative. I mean, we're sitting at tables because this is a part of what it means to be community. We're always, if we're always sitting in rows, give me a break. I am not that attractive. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am good looking, but I'm not 52 Sundays a year good looking. All right, you know what I'm saying? This is what it means. I, can, I cannot tell you how excited I was to just stand and watch people talk in church when for so long you've been told, don't talk in church. Isn't that the craziest thing ever? Like when you say it out loud, you're like, that is foolish. But that's what we do. Don't, we tell kids, don't run in church. Whatever you do, don't have fun. You know what I tell kids all the time? Just run around, just don't fall. <laughs> don't run into things. <laughs> Those are the keys, right? But we need to be creative, right? Meaning, we also, we need to connect people to God in new ways, ways that stimulate our thinking, that are fun, that are visionary, that are new, that are hope-filled. We also need to be aware. We need to be woke, as the young people say. <laughs> I can't even say it and look cool. I'm sorry. It's just... <laughs> but you know what I think? I think to be aware is to say that we notice and we listen to one another. It's not a one way. It's not all oh, the person up here on the stage or the staff or the leadership, whatever that means. It's that we sit like this and we listen to one another and we learn from one another's stories and we say, this person is Jesus right in front of me, teaching me, leading me. We listen to other cultures and contexts. In this room alone, there's probably at least 30 different cultures represented. I mean, even within middle-class white America, there's multiplicity of cultures there that we need to learn from one another and we need to be aware of that. And finally, we're compassionate. This is a compassionate community, which means love is our highest value. I will readily admit this, that I will, if I had to choose between being right and being loving, I will choose loving every day of the week. And I wouldn't have said that necessarily 10 years ago or 15 years ago, certainly not 20 years ago when I was a grad student, (laughs) but today with a little bit of years under my belt in this world of ministry I've learned that if I'm right but not loving I'm like a clanging cymbal it's kind of useless I wish there was a a verse in the Bible about that I feel like that would be a good one for weddings and stuff it's church humor for you new folks sorry There is a chapter in the Bible, you might've heard it at a wedding. But love is our highest value. So we gather as a community that says, we might disagree on some fairly significant things, but we center around the ancient creed that Jesus is Lord. And second to that is loving everyone. We figure out how to love everyone. 
And we sit at tables with people that are different than us, that think differently, that believe differently, that sing differently, that look different, because we wanna just say what holds us together, what binds us together is the idea that Jesus is Lord. And I'm gonna tell you what, even within that statement, there's a whole lot of conversation. (laughs) What does that mean today? What did it mean then? And so if we're gonna answer those two questions affirmatively, let's say we develop a dream that every person who's a part of Crossroads recognizes their role as a peacemaker. And that when we come together, we gather as peacemakers, seeking the shalom, the prosperity, the common good for every person of every race, of every religion, of every ethnicity, of every sexual orientation. If we seek the common good for every person, right? We then have to ask the question, how do we measure spiritual vitality of of a community of faith? What if we measured it differently? Because the the way we measure things right now is what? Church attendance, giving in the offering, how many people went to this class, how many people are in small groups, and those are all good things. Please don't hear me say those are bad things, but those are not the end. Those are tools to get us to a different measurement of engagement in shalom work. Because here's what I believe. I believe partnering with the Edmondson School And gathering together and that being a burden and a passion and what unites a group of people, that's church. I believe that with all my heart. When we gather in this room, we are encouraged and we celebrate and we sing and we're transformed and that's wonderful. But if we go back and walk out of here the exact same and we're not engaged in the building of the kingdom of God, which is Jesus's language of shalom making, the kingdom being present is here now. We actively engage in it. Then what have we actually accomplished What have we actually transformed? And so we have to measure that differently, not in terms of information and knowledge, but in terms of love and action. And I wanna say this, I am not here to espouse another thing for you to do. (laughs) We don't need another nonprofit. It's just truth be told. I'm just a firm believer in that. If God's calling you to start a nonprofit, can we talk? Because I think maybe God's calling you to be a part of what nonprofits do, but we have so many nonprofits that are under-resourced, that have great missions, that we need to go and be light and work and, and be a part of what God is already doing. And God may be calling you to start a nonprofit, and I'm not against that, but what I am against is everybody thinking that if I'm actually gonna be a peacemaker, I gotta go start and do something new. Because what I'm talking about is a new way of doing everything, a new way of parenting, a new way of neighboring, a new way of going to work, a new way of driving that truck, a new way of engaging with coworkers. This says every person I meet is made in the image of God. And, and I want to understand and discern where is the wholeness being broken? Where is there a lack of shalom? And what's my part in either using my voice, using my resources, to just do that in my everyday normal life. And so we, we commit to doing this as the gathered church, right? That, that there are staff and there are volunteers and we, we work together as a large community of faith because there's some great things that we can do together. And we call that the gathered church. But more importantly, we equip one another to go out as the scattered church, the invisible body of Christ that says my faith and my understanding of God's grace and forgiveness as expressed in Jesus motivates me to go and be the most loving, gracious version of myself that I possibly can be. It's when you walk out of here and tomorrow you get in that truck and you drive that beer to the convenience store and you unload it. 
It's when you go to that school and you're that teacher, when you go into the office, when you go and you start your business, when you show up on the job site, when you pick those kids up from school, when you wake those kids up in the morning. This is the point. That's where we go out as Jesus would say, yeast and leaven. You know, Jesus said, I was thinking about this in between services. This is a freebie right here, third service only. (laughs) All right, you don't have to pay for it, okay? Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. How many of you have ever heard that? Church people in the room, raise your hand, you've heard that, right? Most of the time we think of that, our brain goes two or three people in the room. So if two or three people come together, like this table right here, there's three. If all of you leave, if I leave, these three right here, even with Dennis, that he counts, (laughs) Jesus is present. But what if that's not the entirety of that statement? What if it is where two or three are at HP and where two or three are at Coca-Cola and when two or three are at Edmondson School and when two or three are in Thompson Crossing One, there I am right in the middle. That changes everything. But here's the thing, it comes with a cost. It's a totally different level of commitment to do this, to come and, and be a part of the Western Christian idea of faith, of go to church, give in the offering, volunteer every now and then, is wonderful. But that's one commitment level. This is the commitment of a movement that was started by a man who died the most horrible death falsely accused, willingly, so that we would understand how much God loves the whole planet. This is a movement of people willing to give up their lives. It's a movement of martyrs. It's not a movement of people who give up Sunday mornings. God bless you, wonderful, glad you're here, trust me. It makes this a lot more fun. But real, true, authentic Jesus following is a way of life like none other. But here's what's amazing. When people actually lean into it, when we actually live out those commitments, lives are transformed and communities are stabilized. And so I look at the fruit of a belief system and I say, is this producing what it claims it's about? If Christianity is about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, long suffering all these things, is, is that being produced out of people living out this faith? And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that it's not. And so I just wonder if it's time, if it's time for us to lead the way that was a, a heartbeat of this church in its inception to say, what do we have to do to flip it on its head and be a space where people who don't wanna have anything to do with the church can be a part of it? It's the same principled vision. It just looks different because that was 25 years ago. I met with our founding pastor this past week. We had coffee and we just shared. And I got the opportunity to just hear from him and ask questions about, talk to me about that vision because I believe that that is a vision that carries through generation after generation what God wants to do with this faith community. It might look different, but it is the same principled vision because at the end of the day, it's the same vision that desires transform lives and stabilize communities where human flourishing takes place. And I can honestly say, I am so excited to get to be a part of that with you. I am so excited to get to be a part of this next chapter to be a part of what God has been doing and to see what God will do through us. Let me pray for you. 
Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for tables and not rows. Thank you for our introverts like myself, who this is the worst Sunday ever, but they're here and they maybe met somebody. So thank you for that. Thank you for our extroverts who made us feel welcomed and maybe even made us feel a little bit bad about ourselves for not wanting to talk. Thank you for the minorities that are in our room. Thank you for a burden that you placed on John Smith's heart so long ago. Thank you that it's a burden that still is alive in this room. Thank you for bringing our family to get to be a part of it. So guide us, help us to live into your dream for us. We ask all these things in this amazing name of Jesus, amen. Welcome Katie, she's gonna get us out of here.